Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Thank you for listening. And we ask you to invite some friends to listen in. And as always, I want to say hello to all of our friends, all of you who do listen to us, and most especially some of our friends who are serving time in jails and prisons. As our Lord said in Matthew, one of the requirements for our own salvation is if we, in fact, visited those in prison. So this is our way to visit those of you who are in prison. It's been a while since we heard from some of you, but hopefully you still do hear us. We do think of you always in prayer. And also want to thank you, those of you out in the California area. We have many great fans there, and I want to thank all of you for listening. And also, as I mentioned last time, you may recall, and I'll mention it again, that I'm a Byzantine Catholic priest. Yet, I have something to say to all of you who are the Latin Rite about what I believe is some exciting new changes. Now, this is a tough word in the church, but exciting new changes in your Mass. In other words, in the translation of your liturgy, your Mass. Um, I think I'm just about as excited as many of you are, probably even more so, because maybe because I know what's really behind it. See, this is the beauty, the advantage of having a church that breathes with both lungs, as John Paul II said. We can kind of look at each other from different vantage points. And as a Byzantine Catholic, liturgy is everything for us. And in the Eastern Lung of the Church, the entire Eastern Lung of the Church, not only the Eastern Catholics, but also the Eastern Orthodox churches, they look upon the Western Church in such a way as to want the Western Church to find its best self in terms of its liturgy, because liturgy is so important to the Eastern churches. And this is why many of the Eastern churches, the Eastern Orthodox churches now, more and more, are gaining more and more respect, as I see it, for Benedict XVI, which also, of course, in turn, takes us ever closer to reunion between the Orthodox churches and the Roman Catholic Church. However, whenever that will be, maybe that's far, far away, whatever. But I think, nonetheless, with Pope Benedict XVI, currently, there's some progress, you know, inching towards that reunification because, if nothing else, I think there's a certain great respect that the many Orthodox have for the Pope of Rome. Certainly we do as Eastern Catholics because we're in communion with the Pope of Rome. So naturally we do respect the Pope of Rome. We mention him many times in our liturgy, out loud, audibly, we pray for him. So there's no doubt about our respect for him. But the Orthodox churches are gaining respect, I believe, largely because of Pope Benedict XVI's theology on worship, on liturgy. 
Now, as I, as a Byzantine Catholic priest, look at some of the changes in the Latin Rite, and want to give you some background on that, so too we're going to show how the Pope, who is largely Latin, of course, the Roman Catholic Pope, the Pope of Rome, the Roman Pontiff, as we call him also, he has many titles, as he has something to say for us in the Eastern Catholic churches, the Eastern Orthodox churches as well, about liturgy. In other words, he's kind of speaking our language while still remaining faithful to the Latin Rite. It's very exciting stuff, and I hope I can communicate that worthily on this program and subsequent programs as this whole thing unfolds. I want you to know, especially those of you who are the Latin Rite, you're entering another era, whether you know it or not. And it's going to be, I believe, a marvelous era, thanks to the inspirational Holy Spirit through this particular pope. I believe that Pope Benedict XVI is to liturgy, to worship, perhaps what John Paul II was to the theology of the body. I kind of see these two popes in this era as sort of being the Peter and Paul of the church of our time. Certainly an example of the how the Holy Spirit is active, has given us these leaders that we need in the church right now during these times. I'm going to give you a little test to illustrate what I'm talking about here. I'm going to say something to all of you, especially if you're a Latin Rite. I'm going to ask the Eastern Rite people not to answer. Just just stay quiet. Let our Latin Rite brethren answer me. I'm going to say something, and I'm going to see if you can pass the test. Okay, ready? Here it goes. The Lord be with you. Ooh, no, I think a lot of you failed the test. If you said, and also with you, you failed the test. I'm sorry. You failed the test. I know some of you said, and with your spirit. You passed the test. Now, I know many of you in the Latin Rite have been saying, and also with you for quite some time now, but that is changing for you, especially as of, I believe, in November. It'll become, in a sense, official, the official usage in your churches during the Mass. But if you anticipated that by answering, and with your spirit, then you go to the head of the class. And here's why. And there's a big why behind this. And the current Pope as well as the Eastern liturgy and Eastern iconography and church architecture and church liturgy will help us understand this. There's something very fundamental happening here in this change of words. It may seem kind of simple or superficial, may not even know why we're going to do this, but it actually is very profound. This is what makes it so exciting for me, for both of our churches, for the whole church, East and West. When you say, and also with you, if you notice the direction of that, the orientation of that, and this is what's always important, the orientation of that is to the, another person, in other words, to the priest. It's almost like a glorified greeting, like he, as if he's giving you a greeting, the Lord be with you, and you're saying back to him, yeah, and you too. In other words, hello to you too. In fact, our common greetings in our cultures are based on this, believe it or not. When we say hello, that's actually a very long, big distillation of hallowed be the Lord's name. That's how people would greet each other, just like we do in the Eastern churches, glory to Jesus Christ, and you respond back, glory to him forever. Well, we would say variations of that, like, hallowed be the name of the Lord, when we, we, whenever you would greet somebody. And that eventually became what we know today as hello, and all the way down to what we know today as hi, or sometimes just like, huh, yeah, etc. <laughs> you see how far we've come or descended. And at the same time, the word goodbye is actually a variation, a distillation of God be with you, or in, in Old English, God be with ye. So you see how it can, it can distill into goodbye, all the way down to see ya, or just like a grunt or nothing. Well, these greetings actually have the origins in something very, very holy. Imagine the way we greet someone traditionally was, especially when our cultures were very imbued with Christianity, were an invocation of the Lord. Now, whenever a priest says, 
the Lord be with you, and you respond, and also with you, it's almost like a glorified hello. But it's not really what is supposed to be happening. And that's why this current pope is correcting this. And it's okay. The church needs to be corrected all the time. It always needs purification. If they hang your heads or say, oh, gee, were we wrong or stupid or something like that? No, these things happen. We always have to go through corrections. It's kind of like when you drive your car. You don't hold the steering wheel in one, one place, you know, stiff-armed, and you go straight. You're constantly correcting. Notice that when you drive, you're constantly correcting the steering wheel, left and right, left and right. But yet you're eventually, ultimately, you're going straight. Well, church is the same way. It's very organic. It needs to be corrected. It's, it needs to go left and right, right and left. But basically, it stays on the same path towards truth. So what we're going to say now is, the Lord be with you, and the response and the lat right will be, and with your spirit. Now, this is profound, and I'm really excited about this. I've been waiting a long time for this. I wanted to see this happen for my Roman Rite brethren, because I know that it represents a fundamental shift in orientation. When you say, and with your spirit, what you're saying is you're acknowledging the Holy Spirit that is in the presence of that priest's priesthood. In other words, ultimately, you're kind of shooting above his head, as it were. You're shooting it kind of above him towards God. You're including him, but you're including him more in a sense of more of what we might call an eschatological sense. In other words, you're affirming the spirit that was in him in his priesthood. And therefore, you're affirming the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it's more of an affirmation of God. It's almost like you're grazing the, the head of the person and you're aiming, you're hitting God, but you're sort of grazing the head of that person in the process. So they're included in the process, but they're not the focus. Now, why is this significant? This is extremely significant. Why I'm so happy to hear that this is happening for our Latinite brethren. It's because especially as a Byzantine priest, as a Byzantine Catholic, coming from the Eastern perspective, we're very, very much a people, a church that emphasizes that holy otherness of God, that transcendence of God, that that comes first. At the same time, see, we live in the both and, this transcendent God has in this mysterious way become totally imminent, incarnating himself among us, which we'll be celebrating very shortly with so-called Christmas or the Incarnation. But it's very important to understand that first, it's a God who is transcendent. And in worship, we come to focus together on God. We don't come to focus on each other. We get connected with each other kind of like by default in the process. You know, you cannot become one with Christ. If you focus on Christ, you necessarily become one and closer with each other. So it's not necessary to address each other directly. In fact, if you notice in the liturgy, we really only do it one time during the offering of, of peace, in the kiss of peace or gesture of peace, only one time. And that's to make sure that we're reconciled with each other before we can actually become one with the body of Christ. Otherwise, it's kind of a hypocrisy. It's a disconnect. So the orientation, the basic aim, the fundamental orientation, direction of our chant, of our prayer, of our words, our gestures, of everything, of the whole thrust of the Mass, the liturgy, the Eucharist, is first and foremost to God. Yes, together, but towards God. Now that's going to influence how we are oriented toward everything in life. And we're going to talk more about that when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's Reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, 
we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I'm inviting you to a sock hop with the Neverly Brothers. Yo, Father Lawyer wants you to come out and sock hop to the fabulous Neverly Brothers at the Joliet Moose Lodge. And they play everything from Chuck Berry to the Beatles. Hey, I'm talking to you. Not only can you dance, but you can have a sumptuous dinner buffet. Then challenge your memory at the trivia contest and take a chance on a 50-50 raffle. This great time is a fundraiser for Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church of Homer Glen, Illinois. Get that grill cream and head out to the Joliet Moose Lodge at 25 Springfield Avenue in Joliet. Saturday night, November 12th. Saturday night, November 12th at 6.30. Tickets at the door or on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com, ByzantineCatholic.com for a sock hop with the Neverly Brothers. Saturday night, November 12th. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Father Thomas Loya invites you to a special Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock, November 13th, at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, where you'll hear the Ecclesia Choir sing the Byzantine Requiem, sung with melodies from the Carpatho-Rusin tradition, and one newly composed Zvat Sanctus, but harmonized with both Eastern and Western sensibilities in mind. The entire work will be sung unaccompanied, the harmonization is by Ecclesia Director Timothy Woods. For ticket information, go to LincolnChamberProductions.org. LincolnChamberProductions.org. For the Ecclesia Choir Concert of the Byzantine Catholic Funeral Rite at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, at 3 p.m. Sunday, November 13th. Welcome back to Light of the East, in which a Byzantine Catholic Church is speaking to Latin Rite Catholics about their own Mass, and conversely, the Roman Catholic Pope, basically Latin Rite, although he's a Pope for all, East and West, the Latin Rite Pope has something to say for us who are Eastern as well. And it all comes together, and it's coming together beautifully in this current Pope, Pope Benedict Sixteenth. I can't emphasize enough to you and you have to listen to me because I'm your I'm your brother Eastern Rite. In other words, we are brothers and sisters, okay? We want the best for each other. And we can look at each other with a certain objectivity and we kind of cheer each other on. See, that's how it's supposed to work. That's the beautiful complementarity of the church, like a husband and wife cheering for each other. There is, in other words, calling and helping each other to become the best of themselves. So whenever we Eastern Catholics are not being the best that we are, then I certainly hope to hear from you my brothers and sisters in the Latin Rite, to call us out, to call us to our best selves. And so we do that for each other. And this is, this is a beautiful thing. This is not a critical thing. It's a beautiful thing. And what's happening is the orientation, thanks to this Pope in the Latin Rite, is beginning to shift. So the changes that you're going to experience, I want to encourage you, embrace them. They're going to be wonderful. You're entering into an era that you may not realize is going to be wonderful for your church. And this is not a matter of a pope who's old-fashioned or archaic and he's going wants to take the church back before pre-Vatican II, back to the old days and resurrect all those bad things that we got rid of and move beyond. That's not what's happening at all. Oftentimes in the church, which always needs constant renewal, it's not a matter of going backwards. It's a matter of looking at 
old things or perennial things, primordial things that have a perennial timeless value to them and rediscovering them, but in new ways. So that's what this Pope is about. And that's what John Paul II was about. It's about rediscovering the same old things, but in new ways that make the church really, as to use the words of St. Augustine, forever new, forever new. So ancient yet so new. He, he referred, he was actually referring to God, but I think we can refer to the church in the same way. The church is so ancient yet always forever new. So it's not a matter of going backwards. Don't be afraid of these changes. Embrace them and don't hang your head. Yeah, sometimes we were doing things not incorrectly, but it wasn't your fault. This happens in the church. Happens in my church too. We have lots of things in the Eastern churches that we have to correct all the time. And we can hang our heads very easily about it, but that's not the point. The point is to rejoice in the Holy Spirit that is helping us to stay on track, always that constant adjusting, and to rejoice in the popes that we have in this era who are so relevant and so timely, so providential. I want to give you some examples from Pope Benedict XVI, and there's a book that I highly recommend. You're going to hear me talking about this book like a, like a broken record. Well, first of all, his book, The Spirit of the Liturgy, is a must-read for all Eastern Catholic and Christians, Eastern Catholic, Eastern Christians, and Western Christians as well. But another book, which I received recently, thanks to my good friend, Helen Ratner-Dietz, who has an essay in this book. It's a book of actually of essays, collected essays. It's called Benedict XVI and Beauty and Sacred Art and Architecture. And the editors are Vincent Tuomi and Janet Rutherford. And you can get it from two publishers, one in Ireland, Four Courts Press, Dublin, Four Courts Press, Dublin, or Scepter Publishers out of New York, Scepter Publishers. It's the Proceedings of the Second Photo International Liturgical Conference of 2009, and it's different essays in this whole spirit of Benedict XVI's kind of renewal of liturgy in the Western Church. But in order to do that, he articulates things that are just dead on for us who are Eastern Christians as well. So here's an example. When he was Cardinal Ratzinger, he was making, in his writings as Cardinal Ratzinger, he emphasized in some of his writings about this idea of seeking the face of Christ and the face of God. And this is from an essay by Joseph Murphy called The Face of Christ as Criterion for Christian Beauty. That's in this book I'm talking about. Again, this is by Joseph Murphy, who's talking about Pope Benedict XVI. Listen to what he says. He says, Ratzinger emphasizes three main points in the pious Christian practice of seeking the face of Christ and the face of God points which he refers directly to Christian living, but which may also be applied to his understanding of Christian art. The fundamental one is we have seen discipleship, that is, the orientation of one's entire life towards the encounter with Christ. A central component of this love is love of neighbor, love of the crucified, that recognizes the face of Jesus in the poor, the helpless, and the suffering. Charity can literally see Christ's face in them, and serving those in need, the Christian serves Christ himself. The second point is connected with the Eucharist, in which Christ makes a gift of himself to all. The Eucharist becomes seeing, as happened in an exemplary manner to the disciples at Emmaus. In the Eucharist, we behold the one whom they have pierced, the bleeding head so wounded. In this way, we become acquainted with him and are able to recognize him in the poor. And thirdly, the third point is eschatological in nature. The Eucharist, like sacred art, leads beyond itself. It strives towards the Christ who is to come so that awakening in which we, he will satisfy us with the sight of himself. So, in other words, we're talking about looking upon the face of Christ, which in the Eastern Church, we recognize that as the word icon or image of Christ. Christ being imaged in, that's why we paint images of Christ. Now, 
the Pope, when he was cardinal, gave some criterion. Uh, basically, it's five basic principles which should be observed in art ordered to divine worship. Now, this, of course, is of special interest to us in the Eastern churches because of our love and emphasis of iconography, which, of course, icon means image. And this is what Cardinal Ratzinger, now Pope Benedict XVI, says about sacred art. He said that the complete absence of images is incompatible with faith in the incarnation of God. In other words, iconoclasm is not a Christian option. Boy, we love that. Yeah, we went against iconoclasm in the Byzantine church and defeated it. And I love when he says iconoclasm, meaning being against icons and images, is not a Christian option. Okay, number two, salvation history from creation to the second coming provides the subjects of sacred art. Number three, given their reference to the sacraments, especially baptism and the Eucharist, sacred images are essentially connected with the liturgy in which the mystery of Christ is made ever-present. Every image of Christ must somehow contain the three essential aspects of the mystery of Easter, although different emphases are possible. The crucified one, the risen Lord, the one who will come again, and who here and now reigns over all. And number four, the images of Christ and the saints are not photographs, but lead us beyond what can be apprehended at the merely material level to awaken new senses in us and teach us a new kind of seeing. See, I really like to notice this emphasis on seeing. That's what it's all about, seeing things correctly, being oriented correctly. Okay, he continues. This new kind of seeing, which perceives the invisible in the visible. It perceives the invisible in the visible. The sacred image must arise from contemplation, from an encounter with Christ, which in turn is capable of leading the viewer to an interior gazing, an encounter in prayer with the risen Lord. It has a liturgical function and an essential ecclesial dimension. And finally, number five. Without abandoning the specific path she has followed since about the 13th century, the church in the West needs to achieve a real reception of the Second Council of Nicaea. And that's a favorite for us in the Eastern Church. That's one in which, finally, icons were vindicated. In other words, that we can and should paint icons. It's not a matter of worshiping idols, as some thought. Okay, I'll continue with Ratzinger. There is a difference between sacred art and religious art in general. Wasn't that interesting distinction? There's a difference between sacred art and religious art in general. Forms of art that deny the logos of things and imprison man within what appears to the senses are incompatible with the church's understanding of the image. No sacred art can come from an isolated subjectivity. It presupposes that there is a subject who has been inwardly formed by the church and opened up to the we of the church. Without faith, there is no art commensurate with the liturgy. Now, the reason why this is significant and this book is significant, the essays in this book, you might think, well, it's about art and architecture. Well, okay, there's other more important things, you know, like, you know, social justice and charity and feeding the poor and all that. Yeah, yes, but the way we know how to do those things is informed by worship in every aspect of worship. And every aspect of worship in true Catholic, East and West, including Orthodox too, all of, of true worship is completely integrated. In other words, what's happening with worship is this encounter between the bridegroom Christ and his bride in liturgy. And everything must bring us into that reality. We must engage our five senses. This is the holy other, the beautiful, the perfect, the good, the loving God who comes to meet us and take us into himself to graft us onto himself in the Eucharist, which means that everything about worship, the way we act, the way we dress, what we say, the liturgical text, the translations, the art, the architecture, all must be integrated 
to communicate that, not only to communicate that, but to immerse us in that reality. This is what's happening behind a simple change of word from and also with you to with your spirit. We're going to talk more about this in their pursuing program, so I hope you'll be tuning in and invite a friend too, because lots of exciting stuff coming up. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again for the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. Oh.